0: Welcome to Entrepreneurhood, where we break entrepreneurship down into three simple pillars, business, lifestyle, and motivation. Our goal is to use our personal experiences as industry leaders to guide and inspire young entrepreneurs to see the lesson in every challenge. Because we understand that companies don't succeed, people do. Now welcome the leaders of Entrepreneurhood, Lakem and KB.
1: Welcome to the neighborhood. You got your boy, Lake Kim, in the building, and I got my brother, KB, in the building with me. We on episode 19, and we decided to call this episode Risk It All. This one, I think, is going to have a big impact for our entrepreneurs because that's one of the biggest things we struggle with. KB found a really nice quote that I think is going to connect well with our entrepreneurs. So, KB, what's the quote of the day?
2: Today's quote is, there's no bigger risk than staying where you are. Mm. And this was quoted by John Harry, And I definitely agree with this one for sure, because there's no life without progression, bro. <laughs> Yo, man,
1: I couldn't relate with you more on that. If you're not taking a risk or you're not trying to force yourself to get to the next level, it's going to be the biggest risk of staying where you're at. That's going to be tough.
2: Yeah. And you're going to regret that in the long run.
1: Here's why we decided to choose this episode. What KB and I realize is as entrepreneurs, we're viewed as risk takers and people who don't care about having security, which is not true because the successful entrepreneurs are calculated risk takers and they understand that they create their own security, right? And the goal of this episode is we want to eliminate the myth of people being scared of becoming an entrepreneur.
2: Due to taking risks. Yeah, I love the second part of that. I want my own security. <laughs> I don't want social security. I want my own. Ooh. And that's the reason why I became an entrepreneur and continue to be a better entrepreneur. I'm willing to bet on myself more than anything. And I think people forget about the calculated risk part. So let's just give them the definition. A calculated risk is a chance of exposure to loss or injury that might be undertaken after its advantages and disadvantages, but they have been carefully weighed and measured and everything's in its consideration. And that's according to businessdictionary.com. So many people think, like you said, like jump out the window with certain things, but if I'm gonna jump out the window, I'm gonna measure the window. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna see how many flights I'm down. What happens if I, you know, chance of me breaking my legs. Everything is being measured. I will not get burnt. That building is going down.
1: Yes, man. And I think that's one of the biggest things is as entrepreneurs, yeah, we kind of risky. We analyze all the different possibilities that comes with that risk. And I feel like a lot of people, they never see that side or they don't hear entrepreneurs talk about that side. They just see what they see on the surface. There's way more to the story than that. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was thinking. We came up with three problems and I want us to, you know, share the problems with what we think our listeners they're struggling with taking risk in general. So the first problem that we came up with is this. What if I risk it all and I fail? You just dust your feet off and get back up. <laughs> and I think the key word is what if, right? There's so much what ifs in life. And a lot of people, that's their biggest reason of why, like you said, they never get in the game is because they're thinking through what if it doesn't work, right? But as entrepreneurs, the way we think is like, yo, what if it does? Like, that's how the successful entrepreneurs think. So this is a big problem. And we definitely going to attack this one.
2: Yeah. And if you just keep saying what if." If you don't get in the game, then you're never going to score. You're already a risk right there. So put yourself in the game and try it out. Calculate your risk. The second problem is that people say, I can't afford to take risks. I have people who depend on me. Yo, I hear that every day, man. I understand where people are coming from. They might be you know, take care of their siblings. They might have kids, might be married. They really want to play it safe. Understand that. But you have to calculate the upside and the downside of things. And I just feel like you're a bigger risk to your family if you don't go hard for something that you know you can do. Yo, and
1: man, that's so true. That's my take on it, right? I think all of the potential entrepreneurs are the people that want to get in the game or anyone who's maybe even a struggling entrepreneur is like, yo, man, I can't keep struggling because I got people who depend on me. One of the reasons of why we get an entrepreneurship is that we control our work ethic. We control our results. If you have people dependent on you, then you shouldn't be taking no days off until you feel that you're in a good spot. You eat what you kill. <laughs> <laughs> I know that some of the potential entrepreneurs or current entrepreneurs, they think about it a lot.
2: That, now, that's so true when you look, put it that way. Because if you're not succeeding, then that means there's something that you need to be doing differently. So it's not like people are just giving you entrepreneurship. You have to take it. <laughs> so if you take it and you don't do nothing with it, then that's just you not caring about your family. And that part right
1: there is what most people, they don't look at it in that view. It's yo, it's, it's all on you.
2: (laughs) The third problem. Oh man. I love this one. I failed before. And now I'm scared to make another mistake. You know, our entrepreneurs, bro, they
1: got to listen to some Cardi B. I think, what's her song? She said, get knocked down non-stand-up 10?
2: I guess so. If Cardi gets to them, they understand what she's saying. (laughs) I failed, and I'm scared to try again. So? If you're in a fight, you get punched in the face, you're going to just stop? Like, (laughs) not where we from. Nah. (laughs) Yeah, we can't do that. So when people get that first real world experience when they get hit in the mouth, they like, damn, this hurt. And they put their head down like, nah, I gotta go back. I gotta play it safe. I don't want no problems. <laughs> yeah, once you do that, you, you consider it sweet. And and if you sweet where we from, they're gonna keep fond of you. Exactly. People are gonna take advantage. The world's gonna take advantage of you. You just keep bowing down to the certain experience that you go through. Wow. And <laughs> that's a that's a dope
1: analogy. And I think that's what that's a big aspect to it that our entrepreneurs got to think through, man. It's like, yo, just because you fail nine times, that don't mean you only get nine tries. Like you have unlimited tries in
2: entrepreneurship. The only way you lose is an entrepreneur is when you give up. Big facts, bro. That's why it's important to risk it all if you want <laughs> <laughs> the opportunities that you want in your life.
1: That's so true, man. And I think that it's going to be cool because we got a lot of different experiences <laughs> that I think our entrepreneurs, they're going to like, it's going to be entertaining, it's going to be real, it's going to be raw, and they're going to take something away from it. Let's get into it. The first one, right? So what if I risk it all and I fail? And I got my first example is something simple like this, right? I got into sales, in sales, I decided to take the route of going 100% commission. And when you go 100% commission, all of the the sayings that we've said in the previous episodes, which you said earlier, we're going to put this on a shirt, just so our listeners know, but we eat what we kill. I decided to do that at the age of 20, no, yeah, 20 years old. And the reason why I decided to go 100% commission was because I wanted to risk it all and I didn't really have that much to lose. <laughs> so Exactly. <laughs> and yo, I can't tell you how many times I have a lot of young people that I interview and it was like, like Kim, what if I don't make a sale? Like, I can't afford to lose what I have. I'm like, bro, you're not, you're 21, you're 20. Like, what do you have to lose? I get it. Like, I get it, bro, that people might be in different situations. But bro, at 21 and 20 years
2: old or 22, you don't got that much to lose. Probably don't have nothing in your name. <laughs> <laughs> what are you losing? Going out to eat with your friends or Ubers, you're not losing anything at 20. That's what I'm saying. So for me, what I understood
1: was I was paying for a premium up front, right? And what I mean by paying for a premium up front was I was paying for the opportunity that I was going to be going down a route that no one in my family or friend group was you know, taking at that time, other than you, obviously. And I was going to put myself in a position that... I wanted to learn the skills that was going to set me up to make $100,000 a year. But in order for me to learn that skill set, I got to bet on myself. And getting in 100% commission sales, I was scared. But then at the same time, I was like, yo, Lake Kim, it's either you learn this skill set now or you get a normal job and you be average like everybody else. And I refused to take the average route because I knew that I wanted the upside of, yo, what if I get good at 100% commission sales? If I get good, I can make $50,000 this year at 20, 21 years old. And I end up doing that. And it was a really cool experience because I just weighed out my options. It was either I mastered those skill sets and make a ridiculous amount of money, or I learned the skill sets, don't make any money, and go get a different job. So I got a question. For your first sale, how long did it take? I was a different breed. And and the only reason why I say I was a different breed was because I studied more than anybody that I knew. So when they gave me the blueprint, right? Anytime you get into sales or commission sales or you got to read a script, they give you time to study. And then most people, when they come in on their first day, they still don't know their script. They don't know like anything about it, right? Or they just have the skeleton of it. They don't got everything involved in it. So if you were to take a guess, right, bro? How much of the script do you think I knew on the first day? How much of the script do you think you knew on the first day? How much of the script do you think I had memorized on my first day? i say about half. Hell no. I knew everything, right? (laughs) I came out the game swinging because I was like, I wanted to prove to myself that if I was going to risk it all, that I was going to put in the effort and the work ethic that it took to win. So my first day, I knew the whole script from top to bottom. And my first day doing 100% commission sales, my first day on the job, I got a sale. And the only reason why was just because I was a phenomenal student because I wanted to win big. And that's key. What was you uh, selling at the time? So I was selling cable, internet, and home phone for Verizon in Philly. So it was just the basic necessities that I knew people needed. But there's also a lot of rejection involved because when you're doing 100% commission sales door to door, there's a lot of rejection and fear that nobody would buy anything from you. But in my head,
2: I was like, they got to buy because everybody needs internet in the crib. So you were selling something that you knew about, but you never had it in your own name. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, never had cable or internet in my name ever, bro. Even with me, when it comes to houses, like my family, we never, my media family, we didn't own a house before. We've always been renting. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted to get into real estate to build ownership. So when it came down to the actual process, I didn't even know half of the stuff that was going on with the deal. <laughs> I just knew how much I was getting paid. And that's and- all that matters
0: at the end of the day.
2: <laughs> I used to serve my client and I used to serve my client through YouTube. He'll ask me a question. I'm like, "Yo, I don't even know what this means. I go to YouTube, look it up. I bet, hit him back. He's like, yo, "Yo, you're so great at responding. Like we can always reach you. I'm like, yo, I have no other money, no other client on the line. So, (laughs) but he didn't know that, but I just like, I had to play the part. It's just, one of those things where you have to put yourself in position and the preparation is key. So me being prepared, my broker didn't really help me give me any type of training. So everything I had to learn was on my own. So that was my take on me risking it all. I'm like, well, I'm here now. I have a person in front of me who's relying on me. He thinks I'm it. He thinks I've been doing this for years. Then I just got to risk it all.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, all right, I got a question on that. What about whether real estate or personal training? Have you had any situations that you had to analyze a situation and then say, all right, it's either I'm going to put all my time and effort into this particular task or this particular client? And the result would be either we get the desired outcome or I get nothing out of it in the short term. Do you have any other situations
2: that kind of come to mind? Definitely. Like the first year I started training and called myself KB the trainer. I was training outside. What year was this? This is what, 2013? Okay. Okay. We want to put in content uh, for the listeners. Yeah. Seven years ago, I started training. I created the Instagram I started getting a little buddy, started training people I knew first. It was going good. It was cool. That's when I was doing the $6, and I raised it up to like $10. <laughs> so everything was going good for the summer. And then, I don't know people don't know, but New York has cold winters. And our winters really start in October. <laughs> As I'm, I'm training, I'm training. My clients ask me, like, what are we going to do about, you know, when it gets cold? I'm like, we're just going to keep working out until it gets cold. He's <laughs> like, you're going to get a gym? I'm like get a gym in my head. I can't even afford to eat right now. I don't know how I'm going to pay overhead for a gym. Facts. So I just continue working. Out. I'm like, if I just continue just doing what I've been doing, then some, the door's going to open up. Because like me, bro, my faith and my work ethnic is unmet. Mm-hmm. So if I'm shooting for something, that means I'm working twice as much behind it. When it came down to, you know, September, you like, right, put a hoodie on outside, you know, it's getting a little breezy. October hits, boom. <laughs> Fifty degrees. <laughs> and y'all still outside training? We still working. We don't stop. <laughs> now my clientele goes from like eight to probably like seven to, to to four. And now I'm down to literally one client, October 14th. Sheesh. So She's like, yo, KB, I love your workouts, but they got two layers on. <laughs> what are we going to do next week? It's supposed to be 35. We back outside. <laughs> <Hope>. <laughs> if we could catch the sun, we're going to be good. <laughs> oh, that was a point where it's like, yo, it's mad cold. And I'm like, and I'm freezing by just standing there and telling them what to do. So I'm like, yo, this is not, this can't work. I had to do something. It was up to the last day where I said, all right, yo, this is the last day and I'm going to just try to figure something out. I get a phone call. Kid you not, next day, my boy H, here's some Kelly. He's like, yo, bro, I work at IS8, which is the middle school where I was training at, next to where I was training at in Jamaica. He said, I'm working with the program director for Beacon and she's looking for a fitness program. Would you be interested? I had to put the phone down for a second. Like, <laughs> yo, yo, started screaming in silence. Like, yo, God is good. I said, yeah, of course, though. We can set up the meeting. I already knew what was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> you had to play it cool. Just play it cool, yo. <laughs> He's like, all right, cool. When that happened, when he gave me the pitch, in my head, I did my homework. I said, you know what? I just can't go in and say, I want to train in the school. I want to train here without offering anything. I made it my duty. I said, well, I'm going to offer classes to the community three times a week. I want a space to train for my clients. Sure enough, did the interview. I did an interview, but I called it a meeting because I already knew it was going to happen. <laughs> I gave value. I showed her what I can offer. And she was like, oh, you really would do that? I said, yes, I would do that. And I showed her some of my results as well. So me having the results from the, the past summer, the past couple months, helped me led to getting that position. So a lot of stuff is that what you do with your calculated risk, you're doing it and it's going to set you up for the next opportunity what results did you show her? Like you had pictures or yeah, my my transformations, my pictures, my actual classes, my events that I did throughout the summer where I didn't make any money, (laughs) but I did it because I knew it was going to help on a conglomerate scale. Okay. And once I showed her that she was like, Oh, we definitely need you in the community. And I was training at the school for three years and I didn't have to pay no overhead. Wow. And in the midst of that, the school called me back. I was, I was working for after school prior to that. And they called me back for a full-time position. So the after school that dropped me a year before was the only reason I started training. I was stressed out, got in depression. So when the school called me September, yo, we have a full time position for you. I denied it, so my mother got mad at me. <laughs> I said, "Why would you not guarantee money? You could do both." I said, "No, if I'm going to do this training, I have to do this all. I have to risk everything to make this happen." And this is before I had the initial call from H. So throughout the time frame, I'm like, "Yo, I have to do this." And. That was the best risk I think I ever took. I would never be in this position now if I didn't take that risk. And you're a risk taker, KB. (laughs) All or nothing, man. Yo, and I think that that
1: story was powerful because, you know, it came down to the wire, man. Like, you was about to, you know, have your clients catching, what what is it called, pneumonia, or (laughs) like, your clients was gonna go through it. But like you said, man, sometimes... The work that you put in when nobody is seeing, it always uh pans out the way it's supposed to at the end. That's crazy, man. So it was about to hit thirty-five degrees and then you get a call for the next opportunity.
2: Yeah, I'll never forget it. And that's what from that point on, anytime I feel down, I think about those moments. I was what, twenty, about to be twenty years old? Well twenty years already. And it's like, what I got to lose? Like I'm gonna miss out on my phone bill, my credit gonna go bad. So what? I can fix that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yo. And and that's (laughs) yo, you see, and like most people, KB, they don't look at it that way. They like, yo, man, what if my phone bill gets shut off? Or what if I don't eat? And one of the things that I tell people is like, yo, you want to risk it all before you, you know, while you're young, because the cool thing and the beautiful thing about life. Is that you could always make it back, and I don't know why people feel like if they risk it all and it doesn't pan out the way that they want it to, that they can't make it back It's like I feel like every anything that I've lost in the last four or five years that I earned, I know how to make it back, yeah and time you can't get back so I think like that's a big part for our entrepreneurs, man so I, I love that story, man, and the second problem that we talked about is you know I can't afford to take risk because I have people who depend on me. The way that I approached that situation was I can't afford to be average because I have people counting on me. right? So what I mean by that was I knew that I needed to take an opportunity or put myself in a position to win big within a, a short period of time. And I knew that I couldn't take the nine to five route. I just knew it. So for me, you know, when I got into sales, I really didn't know what the outcome was going to be. Because I've never had a professional sales position. Me and you, yeah, we hustled and we did our thing in our youth. Nothing ever really professional. It was just like off the muscle, like me and you just just figuring it out. I just wanted to learn some valuable skills that could teach me how to make a lot of money. So some of the important skills that I learned and what I was really focused on when I was going to risk it all was I was like, all right, Lake Kim. Here's some of the skills that you're gonna focus on mastering in this new position. Number one, you're gonna teach yourself how to become a better communicator. Number two, you're gonna teach yourself how to master the art of rejection, right? Because rejection is a part of life. So you gotta you better master this now, or you're gonna struggle for the rest of your life. Learning the aspect of building a team, like learning how to manage, coach, and develop others, and In the beginning, when you're learning those skill sets, you don't get paid that heavy. You don't get paid that much in the beginning. But for me, I was like, I need to learn it because if I master this in my early 20s, by the time I'm 25, 26, I'm going to be able to have an impact on my family, my friends, and the people that I'm coaching like no other. And I'm so grateful for that because I really was able to do that, you know, because I risked it all. And I told myself that I was willing to be underpaid in the beginning to learn the skill sets. Then once I turned 24, 25, I was overpaid because for me to make the amount of money and to save the amount of money I made at 24, 25, that was way above anyone that I knew in my age group. And the whole reason why was because I told myself that I can't, Afford to be average, I wanted to be underpaid initially, so I could be overpaid for the rest of my life.
2: I love that, and the best part I love is that the four or five year plan that you have you know at twenty years old, thinking four or five years down the line. We see stuff for six months or a year from now, but when you think four or five years down the line, it's a different type of mentality that you're going to stick with it, and you know that it's going to produce this certain type of growth in this time frame.
1: other thing I want to chip in and add to that was. A lot of people are probably thinking, "Man, was it easy going through that and being underpaid or whatever the case may be?" And the answer is absolutely not. It wasn't easy. You know there was a lot of challenges. there was a lot of personal drama that was happening, but again, like what you said, once you know what a solid four or five year plan is of what you want to gain out of the situation, I told myself at twenty years old, bro, twenty years old, that before I turned twenty five I was going to save a hundred thousand dollars. By me telling myself that at 20 years old, I didn't even know how I was going to make my car payment. So I don't know who the heck I thought I was for me to tell myself and to think that big that I was going to do that. And when I actually did save $100,000 at 24, it was crazy because I was shocked. But then at the end of the day, I looked at the overall picture and I was like, nah, I told myself I was going to do this. This is what I expected out of myself. It's a mindset when it comes to risking it all, because you just got to know that, again, it's based on what you think the situation is going to be. And because I know I had people counting on me, that forced me to learn the skills quicker, faster, and with a level of intention.
2: Yeah, I think you need to touch base on, too, from going being a broke college kid that need his mom instead of money to get something to eat, <laughs> to four or five years down the line, be able to help your mom in a tight situation. And I came from you being an entrepreneur and also being consistent, and being good at what you do. Another part, you know, I think need to touch on too is that you came from being a, a broke college kid that needed, you know, money from your mom so you could eat to four or five years later to being, you know, a person in a position that could really help your mother on a, a bigger scale. Yeah. So I think a lot of the listeners, hopefully they listen to episode
1: episode two. And really how that situation broke down was early in my college career when I was in school. I was broke as a joke. I didn't know how I was going to pay my phone bill. Well, actually, I did. My mom was going to pay it for me. <laughs> um, and I didn't know how I was going to pay my car payment or my car insurance. And eventually, when I stopped playing college ball, I just started working. And then there were still times where I, I didn't know how I was going to pay my bills, and my mom always looked out. And then, fast forward to 2017, the roles reversed. And my mom actually needed help from me. She got put in a tough situation where She got behind on some payments in New York and everyone listening who's from New York or know about New York, you know, the cost of living is like really high. And she reached out and was saying, Hey son, like I needed, I need $6,000 and I don't know what I should do. And like, it was crazy because my mom was at the time I was 23, about to turn 24. And I was blessed because at that point I started doing pretty good in business. So 2017, I was able to give my mom and help her out. And I gave her $14,000 in 2017. And for me, it was nothing. It was one of the best feelings because my mom looked out for me so much throughout me when I was figuring out how I was going to get into sales or how I was just going to figure out what I wanted to do in my life. She always helped out. So the fact that I was able to help her out and not hurt in the process of giving her the $14,000 was a blessing. The only reason why I was able to do that, bro, was cuz I risk it all in the beginning stages. That sun goes right there. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a question for you then, bro. With you now, right? I need you to paint a picture for me because I'm sure in your situation, growing up, bro, you and your family, y'all super tight. You've always been the risk taker in the family. Like you go to you go the untraditional way the most often and you had a lot of people counting on you as well. So How would you talk to our entrepreneurs about some of your experiences of where maybe you thought that, you know, I can't afford to take the risk, you have people who depended on you, or how did you flip the script on that? Well, me
2: being the youngest, I always had a different perspective. So I never wanted to go about it the way they went about it, pretty much. (laughs) You (laughs) was the rebel in the family. (laughs) I just thought it was the better way. It just happened to be my way. (laughs) That's one. I think me being a Sagittarius plays a role in two because we like to do what we want to do and we don't really care about what anybody else wants to do but those two combined it gave me tough skin but during the midst of that when i'm I'm training and i know i was taking a loss training for six dollars picking people up dropping them off it's not profitable at all (laughs) (laughs) so the heat i was getting from my family since we are so close like yo you got to do something else. You got to make some real money because you're losing right now. I would say them being close to me and also letting, getting that fire under me, giving me that chip on the shoulder, gave me the grit to go even harder than as if I had no responsibility. I thank them for that every day. It's like, yo, I'm glad I was in that position where I was the bottom of the totem pole. We'll be joking around in the house. But as I kept going and continued, it was a point in time where my sister was working and my brother wasn't working and I had to take the lead. And my mother wasn't working either. I had to take the lead of the bill. And me being 22, 23 years old, this is kind of crazy. I got to kick out 1300 a month for rent. And I'm like, yo, I was just used to paying five. <laughs> <laughs> it was a reality check for me to realize, yo, these situations are going to happen in life. Be thankful that you're in a position that you can help. Because first I was frustrated. I'm not going to lie. I was frustrated. It's like, yo, this is not fit. Y'all basically shit on me. Now I have to... <laughs> <laughs> I have to be, you know, captain now. And I don't want to be captain. I just want to make money for myself. <laughs> That's the thing about entrepreneurhood. It's like it's so many different stages of it where it affects you and everybody else around you. It's important to take that risk, that calculated risk and realize, yo, what can I gain if I actually do this right? All it takes is, you know, a couple yeses. You can have a hundred no's, but a couple yeses can lead you beyond your way. And I think people need to see the upside of things not, instead of the downside.
1: Yeah. So I love that, bro, because it's like your family, thank God they put the pressure on you like they did for you to like, yo, you got to turn this training thing profitable because <laughs> if not, didn't you say at some point
2: your mom was like telling you different jobs that was hiring? MTA, sanitation, <laughs> Con Edison, CO. She wanted me to be so many different things in the book. Just take the test. Just take the test. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. This is what I'm doing. I feel like it was so radical at the moment where I like I just had to believe in myself and try to make something happen. So that's why I used to work out so much because I can't control these uncontrollable variables, but I can control what I do. That was my motivation.
1: <laughs> I think like that's what I want the listeners to understand when it comes to this problem, because I think this one might be one of the most impactful problems because I hear this so many times when I talk to people. I'm coaching young people. And anyone that might have a a kid or a kid on the way or siblings, like you said, that they have to take care of, I think they use their siblings or the people that are dependent on them as an excuse of why they can't get into entrepreneurship. And you and me and all of the other successful entrepreneurs, we use it as a way of why we have to figure out entrepreneurship. And we put the pressure on ourselves to make our family motivate us to be profitable or to make our situation work. And that's what I want our entrepreneurs to take away from it is your family and your significant others and anyone who's dependent on you, they got to be your motivation of why you got to make it work, not why you can't
2: do it. You could find excuses or you could
1: create reasons. And that's what I want our entrepreneurs to take away from that particular problem. This last one is going to be real interesting because I got a a few funny stories to share with our listeners with this one. It says, the problem is I failed before and now I'm scared to make another mistake. Here's my experience with that one, man. Growing up in Southside, it's taught me how to get up and keep going, bro. And growing up in Southside, right, I had a lot of bikes. I fixed bicycles and I sold bicycles. Everything that came along with, with bicycles, I was involved in it. In Southside, if you leave your stuff unattended, your prized possession is going to get snatched. I don't know if you remember this, but at one point growing up when we were like 10, between 10 and 12, I think I had like seven or eight bicycles. When it came down to the situation, any one of our friends who needed a bicycle, I was like, yo, come talk to me. I got one for you. Just bring it back at the end of the day. (laughs) I was doing Uber before Uber was even around. Just the bicycle version. At one point, I had six or seven bicycles and within a month, all my bicycles were stolen. And I don't know what happened. I don't know how I was so careless or is Southside was just so intense. I wasn't going to allow that to make me stop my passion for fixing and providing bicycles for people in the neighborhood. If anything, (laughs) when all my bicycles were gone, bro, I was like, yo, I'm going to keep going and I'm going to find a way to get more bicycles. And I'm not going to live without it because what's the option of not having a bicycle? What should I do? <laughs> <You> gotta walk. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't trying to take that option. I wasn't going to allow my mistakes and my failures of me having a lot of bicycles and people stealing them from me to discourage me to continue to do what I enjoyed at that moment. And as a kid, I, I really enjoyed that. So. I found all the ways of why I was going to figure it out. And I know that's a silly and a weird example, but for me, that was probably the most important thing of my life when I was that young. So how did you overcome? What did you do? So I started grinding even harder. So what I did was I started chaining up my bikes. I started spray painting them. So then that way, if someone stole my bike and I caught you in the street and I was like, yo, nah, bro, that, that's my spray painted bike. So now we're going to have to fight because I got to defend
2: mine. <laughs> there you have it. You, if you fail, you have to reprogram, rearrange, redirect your antics, So if you do catch somebody in the hood with your bike, you can catch them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, bro. And I'm not going to lie. There was a couple times... Bikes that were stolen
1: from me, I end up finding them back because I tagged them. And I saw someone slip it. I was like, yo, bro, you don't have to get off that bike. It was like, wow. I was like, that joy is mine. See that spray paint? That's
2: my spray paint. It worked, bro. And it's part of success. That's what we want to understand is that if you're a true entrepreneur, you will realize that failing is part of the journey. I don't have a bike story, <laughs> but I mean, real estate ain't training. I both wanted to quit. I felt like a failure both lanes. Real estate more where you're working with people. And I was working with this guy for months. It's sad that I had to work for him for months. It wasn't profitable. I just started and I was hungry and I was you know doing phone calls, doing my cold calling. He's a you know, person that picked up. It was actually from Zillow. So I'm like, okay, cool. He's like, I want to see this type of house in this neighborhood. And it was in the neighborhoods he wanted to see was you know in our backyard, Southside. It was you know Springfield, Lauriton, Jamaica. So I'm like, okay, cool. I know my turf. I know my territory. I know what you can do. I don't want to buy nothing new and I can fix it myself. So in my head, I'm like, let me just be in front of him so I can have some type of experience. But at the same time, every house I showed him, he always had an excuse. Either, oh, this costs too much or I could do this myself. But I didn't realize this in the process. So now it's three months and I'm working with a buyer for three months trying to find something and I'm going into different houses. And I just felt, I felt like a failure because one day he's like, oh, I'm going to just take some time away and I'm going to wait until a few months to buy some, um, save up some more money to buy my own house. I just wasted three, four months working with you. I gave you basically my all, like always trying to be available to him. And I was the one thing I did learn, like not to do that going forward. But I just felt like I don't want to do real estate no more. And <laughs> I, I quit. I just looked at it. It was such a long process. But the way I was going about it was all wrong. Me feeling like a failure, not wanting to pick up the phone and make the next call. I rearrange how I move going forward. Like, yo, this is what I'm doing. This is the plan. This is how we're going to go about it. And I'm not going to let you waste my time like that because my time is valuable. And I think if I would never do that, I would never be who I am today. I sold probably like over $3 million in sales for real estate now. Sheesh. And I actually have two deals about to be in contract going forward. So it's like, if I would have took that situation and wrapped it up in my, got all my feelings and say, yo, I quit real estate, then I would never be where I'm at today.
1: What I like about your examples is you always start them off saying it wasn't that profitable. And (laughs) I'm thinking like, dang, KB, you had a lot of unprofitable situations in the beginning, but that's the reason why now you're not taking the deal unless it's profitable now. Because you experience that. and <laughs> I think so much of our entrepreneurs, they think that in the beginning, like, if it's not a profit, I'm not going to do it. And it's like, nah, in the beginning, get your feet wet, like get in the game, like making mistakes, because that's the only way for you to turn those losses into wins. Man, $3
2: million in sales, like, that's impressive. But this year alone, bro, my goal right now is to do a three, three, four million $4 uh, million loan in 2020. Wow. So, I'm on it now. I'm doing bigger deals because I learned too that it's the same amount of work ethic for a $300,000 house from a $900,000 house. It's the same time frame. And once you understand that, then you just smarten up. Entrepreneurhood, you learn how to execute even better. But all this came from failures in the last three years. On a serious note, another example that I have that's actually like
1: more relatable and that made me gain a lot of experience is... In my industry, in sales, with me opening up locations in the past, I've opened up locations out in Milwaukee, and I've opened up locations out in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And some of the locations, they did well for a little bit. Some of them, they struggled the whole time. And eventually, I had to close both of the locations. My heart was broken in the beginning of 2019 when I had to shut down both of the locations. That made me learn so much because most people, when you open up locations, What you got to do is you got to invest 10 to 15,000 into each location. And when you lose that much money on a deal, you're scared. It makes you hesitant on not wanting to open up any more locations. In my world, it's like, no, I'm going to learn from those mistakes. I'm going to improve my systems and I'm going to make sure the next locations that I open, they're not going to shut down unless they do something unethical. So for me, being burnt, seeing the mistakes, seeing the lack of the systems that I had with why my location shut down. Now I'm in the process of opening up another location in the next four to five weeks in 2020 post-COVID, and I'm going to make sure that these locations moving forward are going to be solid, they're going to have a strong foundation, and I'm going to make sure that they do well long-term. And if I've never like learned from the first lo- few locations that I had that open and shut down, I don't think I would know what what's gonna be in store. Now I feel well prepared of what to expect.
2: You know, you say your story, that made me think about is that experience is really currency, but it's currency for later on. So the more experience you have, the more money that you can make later on when it comes down to executing and being, you know, smart enough and using your business the right way. And I feel like a lot of people they want the currency before the experience. (laughs) But you need the experience to get the currency. Yo, man, that's going to be quotable. Again, I think
1: that one right there, I've never thought of it that way. But when you bring it all together, it's like, yo, that's really what it is. You can't get to point point B without first having a point A. And I think sometimes people, they just try to jump and skip a step.
2: In business, there's levels to it. (laughs) (laughs) Facts. So we're going to get to the solutions and and the different keys that we have for you guys. So one of my first solutions is really simple, but it's really effective at the same time. Set up a a vision board. This for people that's not in the game of entrepreneurship, and it's always these what if people, like what if happens. If you set up a vision board and you stick to that and you got to put your faith out there first, whatever you believe in, you have to have faith in order for things to happen. So the vision board will help you connect those different thoughts and ideas. You look at your vision board, you look at what you have, would you be okay with just living with everything that you have right now? Or would you not be okay with it by not achieving everything that's on the board? And that's something you need to ask yourself.
1: I think with the what if people, like what you just said is you got to have blind faith. And blind faith means that sometimes you just got to say, I'm going to get in the game and I'm going to start with the end in mind and I'm going to work my plan in that direction because you don't know what's going to happen with if you don't start. So I just think, don't worry about what if you fail. The best, my best solution is what if it works out? If it works out and you get your desired outcome, then it's worth it. So eliminate the what ifs if you want to win and you want to risk it all. The second solution that we got is I can't afford to take risk. I have people who depend on me. My solution for all of our entrepreneurs that think of this problem or have said this before is use the people that are dependent on you, not as an excuse, but use them as the motivation of why you're going to make this work. Because those people who are dependent on you, they can't afford for you to not figure it out. So you got to have the mindset that you're going to figure it out because as an entrepreneur, it's all based on you.
2: You are your security as an entrepreneur. My takeaway is simply what we already stated is calculate the risks. What can I actually lose and what can I actually gain? And what's the chances of this actually happening? do your homework do your research talk to other people that's in this position or have done what you're trying to achieve already like you have to do the literal things and not just say well i don't know it's going to be too much of a risk And it's like your family is only going to get bigger food is going to be more expensive clothes is going to be more expensive (laughs) so if you're not progressing you're digressing and i just think you have to do your due diligence for your family.
1: Yeah, bro. Cause if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards with you sharing that takeaway. I think our entrepreneurs, they, they need that heavy. And I'm glad that you mentioned that. And the last solution uh, that we have is when people say I failed before, and now I'm scared to make another mistake. The only way to grow is to get out your comfort zone. The only way to make money is to lose money and you got to be okay with that. So don't allow a loss to stop you from a 10 times bigger win. Because winning and losing is all a part of the game of entrepreneurship. What I've learned is as an entrepreneur, you're not really in the game until you could recover from a loss. And most people, they never recover from a loss as an entrepreneur. The minute they have that first big loss, that first big negative experience, they never recover. So what I want our entrepreneurs to know is that's how you know if you're able to make it to the next level is when you're tested,
2: can you rebound from the experience that you had? I like that. I like that a lot. My third takeaway is research the how. Like, Do some literal research on your favorite person, whether you know them or you don't know them, and really dig into their journey. Because we all know the stats, we know the profits, we know the record breaking the stories, but we really know how many times they failed before that. And I think we need to take heed to the things that didn't work out for this particular person and see how they got to that point. This problem is more of the mental aspect of it, where it's like, should I do this again? I don't want to get burnt. And it's like, yo, know, getting burnt is a part of the game. It's like playing basketball in somebody's scoring you like, Yo, I don't want to play no more. It doesn't make any sense. And that's the same thing with entrepreneurship. It's like, you're going to have losses. You're going to take L's. You're going to do things that you thought that worked. And you're going to, you're going to have a calculated plan and it is going to fail. Yeah. But <laughs> you don't fail when you keep going, or you fail when you do quit. So that's my biggest thing is really research on how people got where they at, not just what they did, but how they got there and realize that everybody has, you know, failures. Yeah. It's a part of the process. And, One
1: of my things that I say uh, to myself, and I want our entrepreneurs to write this down or to say this to yourself anytime before you take a big calculated risk, is you never lose. You either you win or you learn. And I tell myself that every day because that's going to help me feel confident in my decision making. What's your final takeaway for our entrepreneurs just on the topic of risking it all? What would you say to someone that's listening that wants to try something, but they're scared that if they risk it and it doesn't work out, that they won't ever be
2: successful. I would say if you are a thoroughbred entrepreneur, you would know risking it all is your identity. Risking is part of the journey of being an entrepreneur and believing in something that, you know, you had your own little thoughts about that came to your mind. So in order to have to come in fruition, you have to go through different experiences to make it real. And you have to understand that you're not just, just risking it and throwing it all out there. It's a calculated risk. Like I said, back to you know, jumping out the burning building, you measure <laughs> it out first. What floor am I on? Is there a fire escape? What's the chances of me actually landing? Regardless of the situation, you know I will not get burnt. And you getting burnt, metaphorically speaking, is regret. At the end of our time in our lives, we only get one shot at this. And if you really think you're going to have another shot at this again, when you're 70, 80 years old, you're not going to be able to capable to do the things that you can do now. So risk it now or pay for it later. The, the biggest mistake most people have when they get old
1: is they wish that they had did more when they were younger. Here's my final things for our listeners on my final takeaway. Taking calculated risk means that you know what the possibilities are. And taking an uncalculated risk means that you're making an uneducated decision where you have no idea what the outcome might be. It's like going into an unknown jungle, right? And without training yourself on how to survive in the wild. If you're going into a jungle and you don't know how to survive, you're going to get killed. If you don't know what the possibilities are, then it's going to make it really difficult for you to know what your results are going to be. Remember this, entrepreneurs, only those who are willing to risk going too far can possibly know how far one can go. Taking risks are hard and watching people do the things you know you can do is hard. So choose your hard and remember you got to risk it all if you want to win big. Entrepreneurhood.
0: Anyone can start but only champions finish. Now that you've completed this episode, you're ready to continue your journey by connecting directly with our hosts of Entrepreneurhood. Follow us on Instagram at The Entrepreneurhood to stay updated with the community. For each episode, the first set of listeners to tag us on Instagram and leave a five-star review will be entered into a drawing to get a free one-on-one coaching session on the topic of entrepreneurship with our hosts. Remember, there is no shame in struggling because we fail, we grow, and we win right here on Entrepreneurhood.